Um, have you ever seen or beheld someone or something that has changed your perspective or understanding about something? Have you ever seen someone that maybe have shaped the way you see your life? Maybe you have seen an artist, a painter, and you have seen their paints, and then you just decided to become a painter. Or maybe you, have you been in an opera, and you have seen this huge expression of um, God in, in the midst of their gifts, the gifts displayed in, in one stage, and you decided to, I want to be a singer, or maybe a sportman, a football guy. Maybe your father, your grandfather, you have seen them following Jesus, and you decided to just, I want to be like him, I want to follow him. Well, when I was a kid, early in the 80s, maybe I was five years old, and the movie Superman came to the Dominican Republic. <laughs> well, when I saw Christopher Reeves performing this incredible man, guess what? I want to be like Superman. I want to be as handsome as he was. I want to be strong as he was. I want to fly as he did it. So guess what? I took a towel, put it as a cap. I went to the roof, my house, and I jumped. <laughs> when I woke up, Yes, I was in the hospital. <laughs> well, honestly, I want to be like him. I, I, just, I just, of course, I know I couldn't be as handsome, as handsome as he was, but I thought that I can defy gravity. I thought that I can run as fast as he did and, and all the things that he did in the movie, and we see in the movie. And the text today, in some ways, challenge us, challenge us to... Not to defy gravity, but invites us to be like and to follow Jesus. To be a witness of the King of glory. And I want you to invite, I invite you to open your Bible, turn on your Bible. If you are online also as well, turn on your Bible in Matthew 17, 1 to 13. If you don't have a Bible, there is some in the pews. If you don't find one, you can read in the screen. If you can read in the screen, listen to me. If you can listen to me, ask the person next to you. If the person next to you doesn't want to read it, talk to us. And we went, yes. So let's open our Bibles in Matthew 17. In the continuation of this series, The Kingdom Come. And we are now heading to the transfiguration. And just let me help you to put this text in context. Many of you have known, if you have been here for a longer time, that Matthew's intention is to, pursue, to persuade his audience, the Jews, to understand that Jesus is a better king than David. He's, in the, he's a better Moses. He's a greater than any prophet in the Old Testament. And the story 
story continues, and six days later, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John with him to the high mountain. And now what's happened is what has been happening lately. Jesus, after chapter 14, he decided to, to disciple, to train them in a very intentional way. If you remember a couple weeks ago, Peter said the confession, hey, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then later, Jesus taught them and told them the first time he was explicit, telling them that he will die, he will suffer, he will raise again. Peter missed that part. That's why Peter came with the idea of nobody will do that. But Jesus has been revealing himself, and what happened here is a continuation in the life of the disciple. So let's read this text together. If you have been in Bible, be ready. I think we're going to use the Bible back and forward because Matthew is the gospel that used more the Old Testament, more than 52 times. Why? Because he wanted to demonstrate Jesus is better than the Old Testament. So let's read together. Matthew 17, 1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Hmm, what were they talking about? And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lift up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from death. And the disciples asked him, asked him, then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. When we read this text, it's clear that the purpose of Jesus taking this tree to the mountain is to demonstrate that he is also God, that he is the one who was prophesied, but also that he's greater than anyone else. In the light of this, I have named this sermon, Witnesses, the King of Glory. Witnesses, the King of Glory. And I want to give you three exhortations that comes out from the text. Three exhortations to witness the King of Glory. The first one, 
Behold the glory of Christ. Behold the holy, the, the glory of Christ. The second, obey the Son of God. Obey the Son of God. And finally, learn from the Son of Man. Learn from the Son of Man. So let's dive in together. And I hope that you follow me with your Bible open. Because I may speak, but God will speak through his scripture. So, behold the glory of Christ. In order to be a witness, the king of glory, behold the glory of Christ. Let's read one, two, three again. And after six days, Jesus took him with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured by, before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. If you see this text, when you read this text, it's clear that it's perfectly connected with the whole narrative that Matthew has been telling us. This event, as I told you, has, um, has been following the same line of thoughts. The transfiguration of Jesus incredibly has many, many similarities to those that happened with Moses in the Mount Sinai. I want to invite you to come to Exodus chapter 24 just to see and compare that Matthew's intention is to connect us with what happened with Moses. Why? Because again, he wants to demonstrate that Jesus is a new Moses. He's a greater than Moses. And his glory is greater than the glory of Moses. Exodus 24, 15. Then Moses went up on the mountain. And the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on the Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it, how many days? Six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord has, was like a devouring, devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered. The cloud and went up on the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 49. Ten chapters later, what happened? Moses came down. The second time he goes to receive the tables and the, and the Ten Commandments. And what happened? Exodus 34, 29. When Moses came down from the Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. If you compare both narrative, you will see some similarities. But let me tell you just a few of them. First, the event occurred after six days period. You think that number is there by chance? No. Matthew intentionally is putting that there. Second, the event occurred on a high mountain. A cloud descended descend and covered the mountain. A voice spoke from the cloud. The central figure radiated divine glory. Those who saw the splendor were filled 
with fear. The people of Israel and now the disciples. And Matthew is the only gospel that tells us that the face of Jesus shone like the sun. But there is one big difference. Moses is called as a servant, but Jesus is called as a son of God. The glory of Christ is greater than the glory of anyone in the Old Testament. And Jesus wanted his disciple um, experience this and the disciple to witness this event. And let's not forget it. Again, again, keep in mind what is happening. Matthew is progressively revealing that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Matthew is, is showing this process where Jesus is revealing himself to them. And they had learned that Jesus was a suffering servant, past, past chapter, at the end of chapter 16. And now they needed to see him as a glorious king. As a glorious king. And they had been reminded that the followers would share his sorrows. And they also needed to know that they will, could also share in his glory. Now he makes them a witness to the transfiguration. Because he wants them in the future to tell anyone about what happened. And actually, one question when you read this text you, that may come to your mind is why he didn't come. With the 12, why just three? Why just Peter, James, and John? Well, Jesus is faithful to the scripture. As you remember in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, says, established a principle that any testimony was confirmed in the mouth of how many? Two or three. And that's why later you will see John in John chapter 1, verse 14, saying these words. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen what? His glory. Glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. What about Peter? Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, 18 to 18. For we didn't follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was burned to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves, Peter says, heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain. So he needed two, three witnesses. That later we will we, we'll speak about this experience. That later will be a witness of the glory of Christ. Brothers and sisters, now and then the Lord by displaying his glory wants us to be confirmed, to, to, to display and to declare to everyone Jesus is the visible glory of God. And even more, he wants us to remind us that he's greater. What happened here, we have the, 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 the two most prominent figures of the Old Testament. Do you think that Moses and Elijah appear because 
They were doing nothing in heaven, and they say, let's hang out. No. Moses represented the law. Okay? And actually, if you read the gospel, Matthew 24, 27, Moses was, what? Synonymous of the entire law. You read it in Matthew 24, 27. I, I will not read it, but he says that Jesus was teaching and beginning with Moses and all the prophets. So Moses represented the law. And what about Elijah? He represented the prophet that protect the law. Do you remember what happened with him? The Elijah is the prophet with the greatest manifestation of power and miracles in the Old Testament. He would pray that it would not rain, and it didn't rain. And then that would rain, and it rained. He prayed that fire would descend from heaven and consume the offering of the altar in front of the 450 false prophets. And what happened? The fire descended from heaven. So for the Jews, Elijah represented the most greater prophet in the Old Testament. And actually, till today, they are expecting Elijah to come. In some of their ceremony, they have a seat empty waiting Elijah to appear, for Elijah to appear. So, what has happened here, and we know that also that he was taken on a chariot of fire. And also the Bible presented, presents Elijah as the one who prepares the way of the Lord. So what happened here is something greater. Is the fulfillment of Malachi 4. If you go to Malachi 4, you will know that in the first verses, he tells about the promise of the son of righteousness that is coming. And in chapter 4, verse 4 and 5, is the only text in the whole scripture that Moses and Elijah are together. There is no other text in the scripture that you will see Moses and Elijah in the same context. Do you think that happened by chance? No. Is the fulfillment, what is happening in the transfiguration, is the fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy. Read with me, Malachi. Four, four. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the status and rules that I commanded him at Joreb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah, the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So the Bible itself stated both Elijah and Moses, both of them will return. And this event is a fulfillment of Malachi 4. So what is happening here is incredible, precise. The presence of Moses and Elijah indicates that Jesus is incomparable, incomparably greater than the prophets with whom some compare him to. Why, brothers and sisters? Because the Old Testament, the Old Testament points to whom? To Jesus. The law point to whom? To Jesus. The tradition point to whom? To Jesus. The reason we're here is for whom? For Jesus. 
And we see in this picture the fulfillment of Malachi 4, but also Matthew telling his audience, the Jews, and God telling us today that Jesus and his glory, his glory than the glory of any figure in the Old Testament. What were they talking about? Do you know what, what were they talking about? Matthew didn't tell us, but Luke tells us what they were talking about. In Luke chapter 9, verse 30, it tells us what they were talking about. Pay attention. And behold, this is Luke. Two men were talking with him. With whom? With Jesus. Moses and Elijah. Who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure. Hmm. Which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So these two figures came to talk with Jesus about the uh, his departure. Do you want to know something that I learned? The word de departure in Greek is the word exodus. What Jesus is, what is happening here is about the new exodus that Jesus will bring to his people. No, he will free us not from the slavery of the Pharaoh, of the Roman Empire, but the slavery of what? Of sin. Of sin. And here Moses and Elijah talking about this new exodus that will deliver us from the slavery of our sins. He wanted his disciples to witness the manifestation of his glory. And now what happened? The testimony, the royalty, the majesty, of the splendor of Jesus Christ comes with manifestation of himself, revealing himself as a new Moses that will bring a new exodus. Remember that for them, they were expecting a Messiah that will free them for what? From the oppression. And these events reshape their understanding. Likewise, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are called to declare, brothers and sisters, the glory of Jesus Christ. As a disciple of Christ, we need a deeper understanding of who Jesus is, and he is our God. He's in whom we worship. This truth is not to fulfill our heads with knowledge, brothers and sisters, but to transform our way to see Jesus, of seeing Jesus. Jesus is not a prophet as a Muslim think. He was not created by God as Jehovah's Witness think. He was not a religious leader, a religious religious leader as agnostics think. Jesus was God incarnated, 100% God, 100% man. He is the Son of God. He is the very essence of God, and He is our Redeemer and Savior. And why we are here for to worship Him. Jesus is the visible glory of God. Therefore, brothers and sisters, every time you come into this building to worship him, remember that we are witness of the glory of Christ. But not just for this place. We are called to be witness out of this place as well. So, in order to witness the king of glory, first, behold the glory of Christ. Second, obey the son of God. Obey the son of God. Read, force, read verses 4 to 8. And Peter said to Jesus. Now Peter has another mood, you know. Six days after, before he was rebuked. But now, look at Peter. 
Again, he does it again, but it's fine. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, I can see him. It is good that we're here. It is good. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. In the midst of this glory, majesty, splendor, and wonder, Peter is the first to react. Peter again. But don't blame Peter. We all, in some ways, are Peter. Pastor when? Well, every time you want to do your will instead of God's will. Every time we try to tell God what to do. We are Peter. Between us, you know what my first name is? Don't tell anyone. Peter. Pedro. So we are Peter sometimes. But don't blame Peter. Don't blame Peter. I said last week in, in the Spanish service, service that Jesus, Peter, hey, Peter, Jesus told him like, hey, what you have said that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, was revealed by the Father. Jesus told him that he will give him the keys of heaven, authority. And now he, see, he's part of the, this inner circle of three. Don't blame Peter to react. He feels that he's in charge, that he's empowered, that he, he can advise God. But we are like Peter. Just keep that in mind. Because Peter was correct in, 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 in his understanding of what was happening. He saw the kingdom. He was experiencing the kingdom. But he was running his timing. But he was right. Actually, let me tell you this. In these very same days, they were celebrating the feast of what? Of booths. Tents. So it was an idea. It was like a fair idea. Hey, we are celebrating. This is the, the days where we celebrate the, the Feast of Booths. So why we don't do three tents? One for you, one for Moses. But Peter still has a hard time in understanding that Jesus is not a same, at the same level of Moses and Elijah. And that's the problem. You cannot put, on this, you cannot put God on the same level as the old prophets, nor as a deliverer of, of the people of Israel. Why? Jesus is superior. Jesus is superior. But in this occasion, it's not Jesus who's, who corrects him, but whom? But whom? The Father. Read verse 5. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And let me tell you, I don't have time to unpack just this very good sentence that we have. But let me do it briefly. What did God say this? This is my son. And probably the first idea that comes to our minds is he's a, an offspring of God. No. He's a creation of God. He was created by God. No. 
What it means in the very first essence is like this. This is, this, the son is of the same essence as the father. And that's why in John 10 and 15, he will say, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. So he's saying, this is the same essence as me, my person. This is my son. But he only said that. He said, he is my beloved, my beloved son. And this communicates us that this is not only a practical relationship, but a relationship centered on love. There is not envy between them. They are not fighting for glory. They're not wrestling about who's greater than other. This is a relationship centered on love, committed. It's a relationship, a commitment of identification in very way. But he, on, he not only says that he's my beloved son, but also that he's my beloved son in whom I am pleased. No, well pleased. In other words, I the father take pleasure in what he says. In everything that he does. He, he does in everything that he will do. I am pleased with his obedience and surrender to the divine plan as a faithful and suffering servant. I am pleased in what he will do. What Jesus was going to do. He, we know that he has already seen Jesus going to Jerusalem according to the divine plan. Divine plan. He will suffer according to the divine plan. He will give his life on the cross according to the divine plan. And on the third day, he will raise again according to the divine plan. And he will be the Savior and delivered of everyone who confesses his sin and believes in him for salvation, surrendering his life to his lordship according to his divine plan. But even more, because he is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. What do you mean, God? Well, do what he says. Teach, teach what he teaches. If he says, love God, so what would you do? Love God. If he says, love your neighbor, so love your neighbor. If he says, confess, to confess our sins, so confess your sins. If he says, to forgive those who have offended you, so forgive them. If he says, we must deny ourselves, so let us deny ourselves. If he says, go to the nation, so let, let's go to the nation. If he says, listen to him and obey, we must listen to him and obey. You know what? This is greater, brothers. Do you know what Deuteronomy 18.15 says? That also is fulfilled here. The Lord your God. This is Deuteronomy. Moses writing under the inspiration of the Spirit. The Lord your God will raise up for, a, for you a prophet like me. From among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall what? Listen. So now you have this better prophet than Moses and the voice of the father saying to his disciple, to first serving, listen to him. 
And what was the reaction of the disciple? When they heard this, they fall under your faces, terrified. But look there. Compassion and the kindness of Jesus, he came and touched them and saying, rise, have no fear. No fear to obey, don't fear to follow me. And when they lift up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And from now on, they will look at Jesus. They will listen to Jesus and they will follow Jesus. No other but Jesus Brothers and sisters, as a disciple of Christ, I know that we have two extremes. The stream of legalism that want to put in our shoulder the burden of obedience as a legalistic way. But you have the other extreme that says, no, no, it's just grace. No. Let me tell you. As a disciple of Christ, we must obey him in everything. It would be one of the evidence that we are children of God. If you are struggling to obey God, that's good. You may not do it perfectly because Jesus did it perfectly. But at least you, want, you have a new nature. You have a new heart. Do you know, have you seen what it says in, in Ezekiel chapter 36? Do you know what it says? That when this new covenant comes which refers to Jesus Christ, he will put what? His spirit. And what would happen? Then we will be able to obey. Chapter 36, 24. For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. This is the born in the water. And I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean, and I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols moreover I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh to do what I will put my spirit this is born from a spirit and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my status and you will be careful to observe my ordinance obedience it's an evidence that we are Christians. Moreover, obedience is an evidence that we love God. Obedience is an evidence that we are in the love of God. Read John 50.10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. As our disciples now, we have Jesus as our goal, as our, as our center, the center of our life. Hebrew chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world obedience listen to him why we don't listen to any other one any other false why we don't follow Mahoma Mahoma Mohama whatever because we have Jesus why we don't follow Joseph Smith because we have Jesus and the father says listen to him why we don't follow the mother of Jesus Christ Mary because we have Jesus Obedience is the greatest evidence of being a Christian. John 3, 36. 
Pay attention to this text. If you are visiting us, pay attention to this text. John 3 is the very first, same chapter where we have the very greatest verse of the Bible in John 3, 16. But in verse 36, it says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. What a good news. Hmm? Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Brothers, examine our hearts. And let's pray that God give us a heart to obey him. Not in a legalistic way, but in a faithful way. We are not saved because we obey. But we obey because we have been saved. So in order to witness the King of glory, behold the glory of Christ, the visible glory of God. Second, obey the Son of God because He is the voice of the Father, the voice of God. And finally, learn from the Son of Man. Learn from the Son of Man. And what happened is that now we have a section, a lecture that is open with the disciple. Verse 9. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, the first order, the first commandment. Tell no one the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. And the disciple asked him, then why do the scribes say that the first Elijah must come? He answered, Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they didn't recognize him. But did to him whatever they pleased. So also the Son of Man will certainly suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. They learn. They learn. When they came back, Jesus told them not to tell anyone. And that's what we see that after his resurrection, finally they understand that Jesus was the Messiah. The Christ. A better king, a better Moses, a better prophet. And what they did, when the Holy Spirit came, they were empowered. And they told everyone about this king, Jesus, the only way to the Father. And you may wonder why, why he asked this. Well, remember a couple chapters previously, we see some people already try to make Jesus king by force. And Jesus want to be faithful to his task. He want to do everything in the time that was planned. And he's telling him again to the disciple. He did it at the end of chapter 16. He put it together, the word death or rejection and resurrection. And it happened again. It's the second time in less than a week that it happened. Here he says, do not tell anyone until after my resurrection. And then that the son of man will suffer. What Jesus is doing? He's revealing his plan. Hey, you forgot it. You missed it. First time I told you, I will raise. I will raise. And let me tell you, don't tell anyone until I resurrect again. You have already seen, I am greater than Moses and the prophet. You have heard the voice, the voice of the Father. But also, disciples, you may know this. I am also the suffering servant. As Isaiah speaks about. I will die to save sinners. 
from all nations, all tongues, tribes, language. And I will gather one church. And today, that's what we are doing. We are gathered as one church to worship our Jesus, Lord and Savior. Church, today, you and I, we have to continue to learn about this Jesus Christ. Don't stop learning about him, about what he did in the cross, and how this gospel, the good news of the gospel, transformed my life every single day. In every relation I have, do not stop learning about this Jesus Christ. And more than that, obey him. Listen and obey him. Do you remember what happened at the end of this book? A couple months, you're going to see it. Chapter 28, he sent the disciples. And he says, go to all nations and preach and teach them to what? To obey don't stop learning. It doesn't matter if you are a new believer or you have been here for 60 years. Don't stop learning about this Jesus Christ and the good news of the gospel. We are called to witness that Jesus is God. Witness that called to obey him. Witnesses of his saving and redeeming work on the cross. As a believers, our call is to live the faith in the light of who Jesus is and what he has done. As a believer, we must live our lives in absolute surrender to his will. As a believers, we don't have personal agendas. But now our agenda is God's agenda. Let us live each day of our lives honoring our God and Savior, Jesus, the King of glory. If you are visiting today and you have heard about this Jesus, let me tell you two things. Have you read? If you don't obey, the wrath of God is upon you already. But the good news is that Christ died in the cross. And he received the wrath of God. So now those who believe and confess him as a Lord and Savior will not receive the wrath of God. And the invitation is to repent and come to Jesus. And surround yourself to his Lordship. Let's pray. Dear God, Heavenly Father, what I honor is to be edified by your word. What we are not make us. What we have not give us. What we not know teach us. I pray that you use the word to encourage our hearts, to shape us, but also to transform us. To your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.